Um, I don't know if I'm going to preach from my notes this morning. I like to prepare because I think that's responsible. But I'm also not someone who usually ministers out of preparation. I minister out of the inspiration, minister out of the unction of the Holy Spirit. I'm someone who doesn't always have chapter and verse. can't tell you where to find it, but I know it's in there, and I know what it says. So um, I'm just going to start with prayer. Father, we just come before you this morning. God, I thank you um, for the opportunity to stand here and be used by you. Um, God, I thank you that you use each and every one of us in ways that are specific to us, God, and that you cherish us. You cherish each one of us, God, and I thank you that you have prepared good works for each of us to accomplish in order to bring you glory, God, in order to just partner and be a part of what you're doing here, be a part of bringing your kingdom um, to earth, God. We get to be a part of that, Father, and I just thank you and praise you for that today. Father, I just pray uh, just a blessing over the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my brain. Father, let the filter be activated, the filter of your Holy Spirit, God. Let only those things that bring you glory and bring revelation and um, and motivation and encouragement be, be what comes forth, Father. I just thank you. Uh, that you are with us, you are for us, and that you have a good plan for this word today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want to start. One, I didn't send scriptures to the AV team because that's not how I roll. So um, I do have a picture. I, I think I texted Sid last night. Maybe last night. Yeah, it was last night. I was like, sorry, it's late, but you know, it's me, dot, dot, dot. And I love her. She knows. So um, I'm just going to read the key scripture that we have been uh, teaching out of throughout this whole series on the believer's authority. Nope, put that off. We're not ready for that yet. You're giving away all my goods. <laughs> I'm just going to read this key scripture. Um, it's out of Mark 16. It's the Great Commission. Um, and it starts in verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover." Pastor Jason has been teaching out of the scripture. Uh, we got to hear from Pastor Andy one week, which was great. Um, and I sit down there each week, and i just like, oh, that's so good, and oh, that's so good. And it's probably like four weeks ago, the Lord began sowing the seed, like, this, this, mess, this series isn't going to end until you get up and share. And it, he, I'm glad. He gives me a few weeks. He knows it takes me a while to onboard, um, to onboard to obedience sometimes, um, unfortunately. So... I love when I get to sit and I get to partake of, of what the Lord is bringing through, through Pastor Jason and Pastor Andy. Um, this morning, I wanted to also read uh, out of Matthew chapter 28 and 18 and 20. Uh, this is the Great Commission, I believe, in Matthew. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, oh, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Um, 
what pops out to me in that scripture is that Jesus has been given all authority, all of it. If, if he has been given all authority, then the devil has none. And we, we were blessed with uh, Reverend Jeremy Gall, uh, always a blessing to me. And something that struck me, a couple of things struck me. All the devil has is lies. He's the father of lies. That's all he can do. He has to lie because he has no power. He has no true power, no real power, no authority. So he has to lie. It's his only play. It's his only tool. All he has is lies, threats, and intimidation. And fear, he, fear I feel like is just his like, big weapon, is his main thing, because fear causes many to forfeit their authority and their power. And as I was writing those things, I was thinking of um, World War II. I was thinking of this mass number of people, how they were, we all think like, oh, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would have fought, I would have this, or I would have that. But the spirit of fear steals. And it was all lies and threats and intimidation. A crowd of 100 could overtake, you know, 20 soldiers. But fear, lies, threats, and intimidation causes, fear causes many of us to forfeit our authority and our power. It's why in the word it says, do not fear over and over and over and over again. I am with you, he says, over and over and over again. So I feel like he's up there. He's always rooting for us. He's always trying to get us to stand up, stand up. I'm with you. Don't be afraid of that. Stand up. Don't be plagued by that thing. Stand up. I'm with you. So uh, Jeremy Gall also, he had this analogy. I love analogies. I love pictures. I work with pictures in my head, and they just help me. There is no point in me coming and sitting here week after week if I can't apply it on Monday. I'm just like this hugely practical person. I have eight children. You know, um, we lead the church together. There's a lot of things. I mean, I have piles of laundry. My husband doesn't load the dishwasher right. No, I'm just kidding. He actually does it just fine. Um, but there's things. There's practical things, and God doesn't despise us. He doesn't despise the practical aspects of our life. So I love analogies and I love pictures because I need to apply this stuff. Um, Jeremy talked about power. He, he kept saying, you know, if you have a power source and you have a working light bulb, you turn that switch and the light dispels the darkness. He's like, you never see a, a fight. You never see this battle for the light of the light bulb to overtake the darkness. You flip that switch and light overtakes darkness. And I wrote in my notes... Um, it, it happens instantly and completely, but I wrote in my notes, be a working light bulb. So that's what I took from that analogy is I have a power source. I need to be a working light bulb. Like that's my role is to be the light. Um, I feel like Jesus has switched. The switch has been switched once and for all, darkness defeated. And now it's my job to be a working light bulb. Um, we have a kitchen pantry that used to be a coat closet, and the light is ancient. The house, the middle of the house itself is almost 100 years old, and I replaced the light in that closet, and I, I put on a fixture that has like a pool cord, and it worked fine for a while, but now I turn it on, and it, it comes on, and then it goes off, and it flickers, and you have to tap the bulb, and then it turns on, and I always think, yeah, this is safe. <laughs> this seems safe. Um, but the, the light bulb was working for a while, and now it's spotty. I have no idea why I haven't investigated yet. Um, <laughs> probably should investigate. 
but I want to be a working light bulb. And that's what I took away last week. And that's what I went to the Lord with. This week in preparing, I was just like, Lord, this is important. Like, this is important. This is my part. He is faithful. He's always faithful. The power is there. The work has been finished. What is my part? And how can I grow? And how can I, what can I do to be the most powerful and effective light bulb to defeat darkness, to bring people to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus? How can I be that working light bulb? So as I was sitting down and I was preparing, I read through the scriptures. Um, I'm not a preacher or a teacher. I'm an encourager, an exhorter, um, a mom. So uh, when I take authority, we're talking about authority. We're talking about the believer's authority, spiritual authority. Authority isn't something you try to have. Trying to have authority is dangerous um, because there will always be that pushback against authority. And kids in particular, they know the weak spots. They, know, they just inherently know, and it's just nature, it's human nature to, you know, test the boundaries and find the weak spots, especially when you're a kid. Um, but all these weeks that we've been talking about, that uh, Pastor Jason's been talking about spiritual authority, I just think how the Lord taught me. He taught me all the things. He taught me all the things in raising my kids. Um, so many spiritual lessons, but taking authority is one of them. The authority in my home is unquestioned. It's not questioned. I have authority. I am mom. It will be as I say it will be. Now, that authority was built on trust, love, compassion. It was built on things in my home so that they readily submit to authority. By God's grace, I say, thank you, Jesus. I have one, well, let me think, one, two, three, four teenagers. Well, Anna's about to be 21 years old. Does that make anyone feel old, remembering when she was born? She's about to turn 21, but four teenage girls have come up, and there's a trust there. They trust me, um, and God has, has helped me in that. But when I walk into a room, let's talk about not the oldest four. Let's talk about the youngest four. <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> when I walk into a room and there's some nonsense going on that they know shouldn't be going on, I mostly don't even have to say anything. I just walk into the room, and they... I arrest the activity. I arrest the activity that is violating the law of the land. Um, and I loved how Jeremy shared how he, uh, the Ouija board was being done in the college dorm down the hall. And his friend was like, hey, let's go check it out. And he's like, that's fine. We'll go check it out. But that thing's not going to work when I'm in the room because I'm not going to. I'm not going to allow any d demons to manifest where I am. I mean, he's a college kid, right? And I pray that my kids... I actually, I know, I know for a fact that some of them would have none of it. Um, uh, I pray that all of them would have none of it, but they're growing up in that. So he did, he walked down the hall and as soon as he walked into the room, excuse me, the room, the thing stopped working. He didn't have to say anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't have to command or he didn't have to take authority. He had authority. So I walk into the room at my home and I, don't, I often don't have to do anything. And I arrest the activity that is violating the law just because I walk in authority. I keep it. I've got it all the time. It's not something I set down and pick up. I have it. <clears throat> now, sometimes I go in and I have to, sometimes I have to do one of these. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And that'll do it. And then sometimes there has to be words. Jason shared the testimony of us driving in the car recently. I feel like it was um, last summer. 
and we hydroplaned for like the first time. Actually, I hydroplaned twice in a month for the first time in all the years I've been driving, which is a lot of years. Um, but that time, I was, I was kind of down. I was like scrunched down. It was early. I'm not early. I'm not an early person. Rise up early and, you know, spend time with Jesus. I'll be like, I'll see you tonight after everyone's in bed. Um, <laughs> so I was scrunched down, and um, I felt it, and I popped up in my seat, and I just like smacked the dashboard in the name of Jesus. Like, really? And I, my, I mean, your heart gets going because, I mean, the car went. The car went sideways, and um, it corrected immediately. Like, it corrected immediately. Immediately. It was amazing. It was amazing, but I had no doubt. I mean, it was just like, it was one of these, uh-uh. What, what, do you, what is this? This is not, uh-uh. Um, now, there were things that prepared me for that moment in that this trip was ordained by the Lord. This trip was called for by the Lord. We were going on this trip out of obedience to the Lord. We were excited to go on the trip because it was to the beach and it was just us and it was lovely. But I, I gained confidence in my authority by knowing what's supporting it. In my home, my authority is supported by my title, by my position, um, by the fact that they were born to me, the fact that I pay the bills. Well, we pay the bills. By the fact that I am, you know, there's trust. They trust me. I've built, I've built a foundation to my authority that makes it strong. I walk in it with strength. When we stepped into leadership of the church, that was hard. That was difficult. I mean, I, this is not something I ever was ever on my radar. So this morning, when I took authority over a religious spirit, over this congregation, did I sound unsure? Because I wasn't. But that's four years of allowing the Lord to grow me and to, to kind of pull off of me insecurity or pull off of me false beliefs about who I was and what, what place I have and, you know, what he's called me to do. Like, you called me to be a mom. I did it. I did it times eight. Like, I all the way did it. Wow, you know, don't I, don't I get to be left alone for a while? And he says, no, I've been training you up. I've been calling you up. I've been calling you up to parent and to pastor a larger flock. So that authority that I stood in this morning, I saw it. I'm excited for what, for what happened this morning. I'm excited for testimonies from it because um, I didn't have to work to get that authority. I, I walked in it. So be a working light bulb. I was like, Lord, show me, you know, show me, show me what supports our authority in the word. Like Jesus said it. And that's, that's, that should be enough, but it's not always enough. I, I mean, I'm just being honest, you know, like he said, I'm healed. That doesn't mean every time I'm struggling against a physical issue, I say it and it happens immediately every time. I have to stand on it. I have to contend for it um, so often. So um, the devil, he is persistent. I mean, I don't like to give him any credit of any kind, but I will say that he is persistent and he is skillful at his craft. Um, and I think it's important that we as believers understand that, uh, that he will take every inch. He will violate the boundary over and over and over and over again as much and as deep. He will penetrate as deep as he can go, as deep as he can get. And his goal is to bear fruit in our lives. I had a great conversation with a couple, um, and the conversation 
was about was supposed to be about this one thing, but praise God, he invaded that conversation and revealed that there was a root issue here of fear. And I said, there's fruit. The fruit of fear is this. This is the problem you want to talk about, but that's not the problem. That's just the fruit. What's the root? The root is that you are walking in fear in this area of your life. Let's pray about that. Let's get into that. Let's uproot that fear, and you will see that fruit wither, that the fruit of sin, the fruit of fear. You'll see it wither, and there will be victory in, in this area. Um, and he's so good to do that. So I'll take the I'll – t- this is what he showed me. He gave me a picture, and um, – he gave me a picture. This is how I'm to be a working light bulb. We take authority and we want power. We want power to go out from us. Uh, we talked about in the name of Jesus. If you use the name of Jesus and it doesn't, doesn't work, what are the seven, you know, Pastor Jason gave us seven questions to ask um, and to walk, you know, is this biblical? Am I trying to, in the name of Jesus, you know, the Eagles to win the Super Bowl? Well, that's, that's not going to work because you don't get everything you want. It didn't work. You're right. It didn't work. So the Lord gave me this picture, which I'm going to show you. Um, This is the picture he showed me. Uh, I love this morning. We just, it was all about Jesus. Jesus, we love you. He's the cornerstone, the foundation of all the things. And so when I began, when I sat in prayer to begin to prepare for this, for this, uh, this Sunday, I began to meditate on Jesus. I love to meditate on Jesus. It helps to bring me in line with who he really was, um, who the word shows him to be, uh, humble and gentle, kind, full of truth, a minister of freedom, focused. I love the focus of Jesus. He was not distracted. One point, a group of people tried to get him to stay stay, stay, stay. You need to stay. And he said, no, that's not the purpose for which I was sent. And I loved that. I loved that. I wanted to stay. I wanted to stay home in motherhood because that was the, I thought that was the purpose for which I was sent. And I was comfortable and I had learned so much and was comfortable. uh, But that was not the whole purpose for which I was sent. So uh, he was not distracted. He's focused, generous, accessible, simple in, in his ways. I love simplicity. I do not like complication. Jesus was simple, not simple-minded, but simple in his ways. And he was fully dependent on the Father. This is one of my most favorite things. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, and yet he came and he set aside that ability to to save himself, to do in his own power, and instead he modeled for us that relationship with the Father, that through his sacrifice, we also could have access to that power. So this is the, this is the picture he showed me. Um, spiritual authority is ours. All authority has been given. And um, the word says that greater works than Jesus will do. Not that we'll be greater than Jesus, because we won't be, nor do I desire to be. But I desire to do great works uh, to the glory of the Father. I desire that his kingdom would come. I desire that all strongholds would be broken. Um, so we're just, I'm just going to look at the pillars. Um, we're going to talk through the pillars. Now, I, I do admit there's other pillars, but these are the ones the Lord showed me. I added compassion. I'm going to be honest. 
I added compassion. I'll tell you why. I asked him, is this okay? Can I add this? And he said, yeah, you can add that. And also there's other, you know, there's other ways you can build this and other things. But the ones he gave me were all of those except compassion. I added that one. Knowledge. In Hosea, it says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. We need to know the word. You have to know what is yours so that you can stand in authority over it <laughs> and you can contend for it. Um, safety is ours. So when the car began to hydroplane, that is a threat to my safety. It's a no, and there's no conversation about it. It's a no. Come in line. And it came in line. Uh, when our 11-month-old was choking for like, she was only getting partial air for maybe 30 minutes and I wasn't home, and Jason began to contend for her. Um, she, he just began to contend for her in the spiritual realm. We knew this was a spiritual attack. Like, he called me. I was at Chipotle. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, the enemy cannot have our daughter. He can't even touch our daughter. This is a lie. This is a lie. He's like, Liz, I know. I just want you to come home. I was like, you need to put on that healing scriptures. Like, this is, he's like, they're on, babe. Just come home. So I made my way home. I refused to speed. I refused to rush. I stopped to get the mail. I got my packages out of the car because the Lord said, do not fear. Now, was that easy? It was the hardest thing I've ever done. As I'm driving down the highway, the devil said, this is your moment. This is the moment where a good mother would freak out. That's what he said. And um, as I'm driving, an ambulance goes down the other side of Route 90. And the devil's like, this is the time for you to actually flip out. You flip out all the time over nonsense things. This is real. This is the time. And the Lord was so clear, do not fear. And it was urgent. There was an urgency to it, an importance to it. And what he was saying was, do not let fear cause you to forfeit your authority and power over the life of your daughter. And I felt the weight of that. I knew what he was saying. And so I made a show of it. I made a show. I'm stopping to get the mail. I'm getting out of the car, you know, and I'm walking down the thing. And I just refused to be in fear. When I walked in the door and I saw my daughter, the color of gray. Yeah, the, just gray. Gray like a, like a gray day. Um, this was one of our pinkest babies. She just was a pink baby, blonde hair. Um, and she was gray, and she was drooling, and she wasn't getting enough oxygen to her brain. That's what was happening. And he just handed her to me, and he went in the back, and he just started weeping because contending against an attack of the enemy is difficult. It's a battle. He went back, and he just began weeping. And I, I just felt all kinds of things rise up when you see that. And I turned around to go through the, the door to the office. I think I was going to go Google, I guess. And I mean, clear as day, no. And so I turned to go to the door. There's a no. So I turned back around. I turned a full circle in my kitchen. And I said, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom now in Jesus' name. It wasn't a question. It was a and what I know what I was asking is just tell me what to do. Like, what do I do? Do I throw the girl in the car and go to the hospital? Do I call 911? Like, I need to know what to do. And I need it now. And as soon as I spoke those words, she threw up on me. Praise God. And um, I just began to weep. And I walked to the bedroom. And I set her down on purpose on the floor. And she just began to wail. I wanted her to cry. I didn't want to comfort her. I wanted her to wail. So I set her down and I was changing my shirt and she's just wailing and turning completely pink. Um, 
And afterwards, I was talking to my mom. She's like, Liz, why didn't you call 911? It's like it didn't even occur to us to call 911 because it was an attack of the enemy, and we saw it for that. She wasn't in physical danger. She was in spiritual danger, and thus, by extension, it was an attack through the physical, but her name means life. It's been a, it's been a fight of fear her whole life, and this was an attack of the enemy. So, I mean, I, 911 is an awesome thing. I think you should use it whenever you feel led to use it. But all I can say is it just didn't even occur to us. We fought and we stood in authority in that situation. So I knew the word. That's the point. I knew the word. I knew that he promised wisdom when we ask without finding fault. He would give it generously. And so that's, that's a scripture that rose up out of me. That's what I stood on. Um, knowledge. Know God. What does he sound like? What words does he use as he leads you? What is the pattern of his work in your life? He works in patterns. He, a relationship is unique. My relationship with each and every one of you is different. We have patterns of speaking to one another. We have patterns of time that we spend with one another. I have more access to speak truth into some people's lives than I do into other people's lives. So don't look around and expect that God works just one way. What are the patterns of his faithfulness in your life? How does he speak to you? Know his voice. How does he lead? How does he comfort? How does, how does he bring you into correction? Know him. And then know your enemy. Know your enemy. How does he work? So you can distinguish between the two because you know that the enemy disguises himself. He tries to come. I would not have partnered with fear for 45 years of my adult, like in my adult Christian life, if I had seen it, I didn't see it. He is skillful at what he does. So know what is, what is his scheme against you? He has particular plans against you. One of them for me is to shut up. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. It is so counter to the call of God on my life. But once I, once I identified the scheme, when I would have a prophetic word and I would feel overwhelmingly that I shouldn't give it, and it was this kind of heavy feeling, I used to wrestle with that. It doesn't happen anymore because what I be, I, once I recognized it as the scheme of the enemy, whenever I would feel it, I'd be like, perfect, thank you. I'm going to go give this word now. It was a sign to me that I'm going to give the word. I would rebel against that heaviness, against the enemy trying to you know, tell me, just be quiet. No, that's not of God. No, you know, no one gives a word about the movie Wonder Woman. That's weird. That's weird. That is a hallmark of the enemy scheme. That's the words he uses for me. That's what he tries to get me. It's what he uses. That's weird. You're going to be, that's going to look weird. I'm willing to look weird for Jesus. I'm growing in that. And that is me just pressing back against the scheme of the enemy. So know the enemy. Know the language he uses. What if is the language of fear? We're going to talk about faith. The opposite of faith is fear. Um, what if, if you're caught up, what if this and what if that, what if that, arrest it. That's fear. God is. What if this happens or what if that, what if I don't do, what if, you know, God is with me. God is for me. Bullying, the bullying voice, that's the enemy. If you don't do this, then God's going to use someone else. That's not how God talks to me. Um, so identifying that. And the reason you need to know your enemy is Master Jason was, he was taking authority over sleep apnea for a time. That wasn't the enemy. 
It was, it was acid reflux that he was struggling with. So it's like discern. Knowing is also discerning, so knowledge. All right, I'm going to keep on moving. Next, I'm going to jump over to faith. I can talk a lot about faith. I've been up here, and I've taught on faith before, um, and I love this definition. Faith is knowledge that has been adopted as true belief to the degree that it effectively changes our present reality to conform to kingdom reality. That's what faith is. I'm going to say it again. Faith is knowledge adopted as true belief to the degree that it effectively changes our present reality to conform to kingdom realities. I've known for a long time up here that God loves me. The Bible says it. The Bible's true. It's this. But the amount of time it's taken me to adopt that knowledge to core belief to the point that it effectively changes my behavior and the way I respond and react in a situation, that's been a lifelong thing for me, and I still got, I still got you know, steps to take. So faith is something we grow. Faith is something we grow in. Faith leads to actions. Our actions, in, in the reverse, our actions reveal our true beliefs. If I'm blowing up in anger every time someone says dot, 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 I have to back up and say, what am I, why does that trigger me into anger every time? There's a lie somewhere that it, it touches on this in, insecurity. It touches on something in me, and I go off like a bottle rocket. There's something that needs, that needs uh, reconciled in me. There's a lie that needs uprooted, and truth needs to be meditated on. So your actions show your true beliefs. Um, it's a lifelong process, and what I love about faith, or I don't know if I love it, faith is this. Faith is trusting in him, the person of Jesus. Faith is trusting in the character of God. I'm not going to have faith that God's going to do what I'm praying for. I'm going to have faith that God is going to be God in this situation. And then he moves because I know that he's a God of healing. I can pray for healing in the name of Jesus, knowing that God is going to do what he does. He's going to be who he is in this situation. People get in trouble when they start believing in faith that their baby's going to be born on this date or that date, or they're going to have a boy or they're going to have a girl. They start applying faith to things. I mean, don't do it. That's all I'm going to tell you is don't try to get what you think is yours or you want because you might be, God might give it to you, and you could be forfeiting something so much better that he had waiting for you or that he had for you. I think about the Israelites with the quail. They wanted the meat. He's like, I'll give you meat. He gave them so much meat that they were like sick on the meat. So it's just, I mean, I don't know if that's the lesson we're supposed to learn from that story, but I have learned, I have learned to not apply my authority to try to take from God that which I think I should have. I rather apply my authority to push back darkness, um, to push back the darkness so that God can be who he is. He is truth. He is light. I let him deal with all the details. Seven daughters and just one son? Okay. It would have been nice to have more than one son, but I didn't want nine kids, so then I wouldn't trade a daughter. So, you know, we go round and round. Um, I trust him. <laughs> I trust him. I love in the Faith Hall of Fame that it's filled, Hebrews chapter 11, Faith Hall of Fame, it's filled with wildly flawed people who believed God in spite of their own weakness, period. They believed God in spite of their own weakness. They stepped out 
and said, well, if you don't show up, this is going to suck. Did I say that this morning to the Lord? I did. Do I say that to him all the time? In my parenting, in my marriage, I have learned that, it, that when I boast in my weakness, then I am made strong. He comes, and then it's all just grace, and it's abundance, and it's um, provision. It's all the things. He comes, and all the things comes, come with him. They did not believe God because they counted themselves experienced, mature, and qualified leaders. So, faith. We grow in faith. We fight fear. Um, and there are those two. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord, the awe and trembling at his vast power, at the greatness of God. An acknowledgement in your inner being that produces action. Fear of the Lord produces holiness. It produces a commitment to obedience because you would rather obey and look weird than disappoint or displease the Father because of your great love for him, your trust in him, and the fact that he is all powerful, (laughs) that he's got all, and that when his presence comes, we're flattened to the floor. Like we are, yeah, fighting against God, pushing back against God, being real casual about the presence of God, not a good idea. Um, It's prioritization of obedience to the spirit of God over all other things a holy fear of displeasing the Lord, and a mantle of honor, respect, and care in representing God and and the name of his son. The opposite of the fear of the Lord is this casual, kind of acceptable relationship with sin um, in our own lives, in our own lives. So, um, yeah, and then compassion. I added compassion because... Compassion preceded every miracle of Jesus. He was moved with compassion, and so, you know, the widow, not the widow, the woman who was grieving her son, he was in the box. They were walking. He was in the coffin, and Jesus raised him up. He had compassion on the crowd. They were hungry, and he had compassion on them, and the miracle of the feeding occurred. One of our daughters struggled um, between around age three with severe constipation. This is a heartbreaking thing. The pain that it causes to a small child and the drama and the distress that it causes to a parent and your inability to get a handle on it, um, I just cannot be overstated. It was just distressing. And one night we were coming home from a really joyful time that we had had with friends and I saw it was coming. It was going to happen. It's working itself up again. And um, I was downstairs. Jason was upstairs with her in the bathroom and I got a revelation that there was joy set before us. We were planning a family movie night. We were going to have fun. There was joy set before us, and this was the enemy is going to steal it. This was stealing from us. This physical problem was stealing over and over and over from us. We had been to the doctor. We had done all the things. And once I got, I'm a fighter. Once I know the, the enemy, I just could see it. I could see it very, very clearly that this was a violation of the boundaries And I went upstairs, and I walked up to her, and she was sitting there, and I remember my heart feeling overwhelmed with compassion for her. And I put my hands on her head, and I just began to pray, not like forcefully, I just prayed, in the name of Jesus. And that's all as farther I got. I felt power be released from my hands. And immediately, it went through her body, and it was released through her body. 
with no pain, it was over. It was over. And I felt it. And I was in awe. I was in awe. And um, compassion preceded it. And so did the knowledge and the revelation of what was happening, the discerning of what was happening, the faith that the name of Jesus was what I needed. The boldness, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to move along. The boldness to walk upstairs and do it. And then the spoken word. You never see Jesus, you know, delivering someone silently. This praying in our head thing, there's a place for it. How many times have I prayed in my head, please make that baby stop crying in the name of Jesus, I pray. I bind their tongue in Jesus' name. It never worked. Not a single time did I take authority over babies crying in the name of Jesus and it worked. It didn't. It just didn't. Um, But I spoke the name of Jesus with boldness. So this is the picture God gave me. Compassion and fear of the Lord went in the center for a very specific reason, and it's because I've seen ministries that are preaching Jesus, and they have knowledge of the word far beyond what I may ever possess on this earth. They have faith. They preach faith. They are bold. They're speaking the word of God, and they have a measure of power. But I've seen those ministries crumble in because they lacked compassion, and rather were putting weights on the people about you're not praying it right, you're not, you need to say it this way, or you need to do it this way, or they were putting weights on the people, or they had hidden sins of the heart that they were tolerating in themselves or in their families or in their congregations. God is far more concerned about sins of the heart than he is sins of the body. Do you know that the church loves to talk about more the outward sins of the world than they like to talk about the inward sins of themselves? This is the fear of the Lord. And I've seen ministries crumble. And you can see that in the picture, right? It would, if those two were weak and they begin to break and it crumbles in. And then that is not, that does not glorify God. I just am so desperate to glorify God that I gotta, I gotta know, Lord, give me the picture. And he gave me the picture. So um, because I am a fighter and I am, I'm a fighter. I have another picture. Ed, can you put that other picture up for me? This is what he showed me. Um, can you put that other one up for me? The enemy is, has a counterfeit. For every principle of the kingdom, nothing he does is original because he does not have the ability to be creative. He is not made in the image of God we are, which is why it fuels his hatred for us. Because we are made in the image of God. We have the ability to, be, to create and to be creative. So this is what the Lord showed me is his imitation, his perversion. This is how he builds his illusion of power. This is what it is. The opposite of knowledge is ignorance, and it will destroy. The opposite of faith is fear, and it will cause people to to uh, forfeit their authority and their power. He uses condemnation and putting weights on us and on the people and instead of compassion. Compassion, Jesus was moved with compassion over and over. Compassion is love plus grace working in conjunction together. The sins of the heart. And on this, he builds lies. And then he uses timidity to get us to not take action in those, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. 
I, the Lord has asked me to do things before and I have not done them. I've held back. I'm like, ooh, that would be weird. Friday night, Maureen. Friday night, I stood there. The Lord told me to go and say something to someone, to tell them this story. And I was just like, well, this, that's going to be weird. It's becoming the red flag. When I hear the word weird, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to go do it. Like, I, conversation done. Um, so timidity and then silence. This is a big one for me. When I, I mean, I just wrestle, wrestle, wrestle all day with an issue. And 35 seconds out of opening my mouth, after opening my mouth, it's settled. And I mean, so I don't know, there's, I can grow in every single one of these, but knowing the enemy, it just gives me a pivot point. When I hear the language of fear, I pivot into faith. Um, when I, when I sense that timidity, I pivot into boldness. Um, and so this picture was also equally helpful to me. I, I want to walk in power. Mostly, I just don't want to fail. I have one, one lifetime to, um, to bring glory to God, to, to partner with him and see his kingdom grow, to see his kingdom come here. And I want to be a part of that. I feel like that's a common thread every time I get up here, whether I'm talking about parenting or I'm talking about faith, talking about authority this morning. I'm talking about authority that produces power because there's no point in having authority over nothing. You know, I have authority in my home, and it's so that I can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit to see my children grow, to see my children grow even beyond me in faith, in authority, and power, and on and on it goes. So I'm going to close, because I have to. Um, <laughs> I'm going to close. And as, as the Lord began to... As he sh- when he showed me this, this uh, you know, structure, the word timidity reminded me, the Holy Spirit reminded me. There was a prophetic word that I got in my time with the Lord in January, very beginning of January. And um, I got so excited because I didn't know who the word was for, and it just kind of sat there in my journal, and then the Lord brought it out. So, um, Sid, you can come on up because that will help me to close. It'll remind me. Um, And y'all can stand up with me. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to read this prophetic word. I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to pray over us that we would be working light bulbs, that we would defeat the darkness completely and instantly as we step into authority, that where there is fear, we will grow in faith, that truth will uproot lies, that compassion and grace would flood our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, that condemnation would no longer torment, terrorize, and weigh down the people of God. Condemnation is tied to performance. It's tied to religion. It's why the Pharisees were so angry at Jesus all the time. Because he kept company with the lowly. He kept company with the broken. I'm going to pray that as a people and as a body, we would just be so aware of the vast greatness of God. And that our hearts would be burn for holiness. For holiness. 
and not as a matter of religion, not as a matter of following the law, but rather following the spirit and honoring God and representing him well. You know, I can't watch some of the things I used to be able to watch on TV. It's not because I'm better than the people who watch that. It's because it used to not grieve me and now it grieves me. Things have begun to grieve me more and more and more. And I know that it's just the Lord refining my heart. The prophetic word was regarding the disciples of Jesus in this age. I was reading in Luke chapter 5. Um, it was in verses 27 to 31. I believe it's when he called Matthew. And this is what it was. He really did call and equip and love the lowly ones. Those who were of no reputation or even of poor reputation. Tax collector. Those who are plucked from the lowly places, they reach back into the darkness and they pull others into salvation. They have nothing to qualify them other than friendship with God, a testimony of rescue, and the boldness to speak, act, and obey in the face of all resistance. People of God, throw off fear and timidity and the kingdom will grow. The power of God will spread out like wildfire in all directions. Father, we receive that word in every heart here today, God. Every heart here and every body of believers represented here. God, I thank you that we are a small part of a global church that submits themselves to you fully, that enthrones you as the head God, purify us, purify our hearts and our minds, purify our mouths, our tongues. Father, break every partnership with sin. Open our eyes, God, to see them. Open our eyes, God, that we would have open eyes. And give us boldness, God, boldness and volume to take action that power would be wielded against the kingdom of darkness and that we would see those who are captive be set free in Jesus' name. That we would see the lost saved, that we would see the sick healed, that we would see families thriving. There's one more, Jason. What is it? And that we would see lives transformed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we submit to you today. Grow us, Lord. Lead us, Father. And let us receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. All right, church. Just going to read this benediction over you out of Romans 15. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to have some prayer teams up here. Uh, if you need prayer, get prayer. I need prayer like all the time. I take his hand. I put it on my forehead and say, pray for me. We take authority over each other, over each other's lives 
ask someone, say, will you take authority over this with me? Can we, can we agree? So they'll be up here. I invite you to come up and get prayer. Other than that, I dismiss you. Have a great week.